This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's really good to see all of you here today. Uh, thanks for being here on this, on this weekend that's a little different. We're in that time just a little past Christmas, and we're just about to head into a new year. And I hope that your Christmas was good. I hope that it was full of blessing. I hope that your 2014 was a, was a good year as well. Um, that it was memorable, that there were events and experiences that, that were good in your life. I know I've had years that are, that are memorable, events and experiences stand out. Um, some of those uh, stand out, again, because they were um, just like I wished upon you. They were really good, times of blessing, incredible goodness. There's been years that, that were really tough and challenging and darker, if you will, and I remember those. And then there were, there were years that were both. They were mixed with darkness and light. Uh, if you will. And so 1980, 1980 was a, was a year for me that was, was memorable, and it was mixed with darkness and light. Uh, it was memorable, first of all, to begin with, because it was the year that Roxanne and I got married. And uh, wow, um, that, uh, the years have been really good to both of us, if you know what I mean. Um, they, uh, well, they have been to Roxanne. And so uh, I really, it was a great, great time we got married. I thank God for the blessing of Roxanne uh, in my life. Um, I can't imagine a life uh, without her, so I thank God for that. It was also memorable in 1980 uh, because it was the year that I graduated from MSU, and I began my first career as an Army officer and was sent to Fort Lewis, Washington uh, to, a, to a really, what I considered, at least for me, was a really tough job, a highly visible job in the 9th Infantry Division. And, uh, and so I'm a young guy there, and I get there, and I, I'm with some folks that are less than honest and ethical, and we've just been taught about all these ethics and stuff in my, my training in, in the Army. So I'm trying to sort some stuff out there. So that, that was kind of memorable, and, um, and I was thinking that I was a little bit overwhelmed, and I began to rationalize. We, you know, we tend to do that as human beings. A rationalization can help us get through some stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it just can't get any worse. I mean, it just can't. You know, it can't get any darker. And you know, you probably shouldn't say that stuff because about the time you do, stuff happens. Well, it did. Um, does anybody remember what happened in the state of Washington in 1980? It was kind of a big event, almost of biblical proportions. Um, it literally, literally got darker. Mount St. Helens blew up. I was there. I was close by. That's what it started. When I got there, when I got to Fort Lewis, that's what it looked like. It was beautiful. Loved it. Then started puffing. And then it went like that. And we were nearby in the Army, and in fact, we had troops downwind of this, not far from there, and the day turned to dark. And as a young guy who was uh, supporting uh, the division and the troops there in Yakima, downwind of it, uh, we, we were in a panic because, one, we didn't really know what was occurring completely. What it, I mean, the mountain blew up. It moved. It pushed. It blew out. And we had troops downwind, and it's dark, and there's ash everywhere. And so we set up an emergency operations center that was really worldwide. So again, I went from feeling overwhelmed to feeling like really overwhelmed. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, God, it can't get any, any worse uh, than this. And, and, we, and we were afraid it was going to happen again. So we're living in this, in this uh, sense of fear as to what could occur and was occurring around us. But uh, with God's grace, I can tell you we got through it. There were some long days, and, and it went on for a while. But with God's grace, we, we did get through it, and I was thankful. And there was a lot of praying going on, and I didn't pray a lot uh, back then, I'll tell you. 
but I did when I saw that mountain move the way it did. I tell you, when a mountain moves, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a really big deal, and uh, it'll make you think, it'll make you ponder, um, make you reflect, and you might rationalize again, because I said to myself, well, God, that's, uh, that's, that's the last time in my life I'll see a mountain move, I'm sure of that. I mean, how often do mountains move? Well, you probably shouldn't say that, and so uh, anyhow, uh, but when mountains do move, lives are changed. Nothing is the same when a mountain moves. Well, now let's flash to 2012. 2012 was a really uh, memorable year for me as well. Um, it was memorable uh, primarily. I got to check something off my bucket list that I, that I had never done. And I was privileged to go with a group of people here. We, and when you go to the Holy Land, you call yourself pilgrims. And so a group of pilgrims, we, we went to the Holy Land. And uh, there we are, for example, um, on, the, uh, on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee where if you know the stories of the New Testament, Jesus did a lot of his ministry um, around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's amazing. The, the stories of the Bible become alive and become vivid. And, for example, right here, uh, what you see behind you is, the, uh, is what you call the other side, the other side. Jesus' followers, the 12 guys around him, they like to stay on, they, well, they didn't want to go to that side. Jesus would always say to them, you know, ministry's okay over here not so bad, because he was amongst the Jewish people and the people they were familiar with. But then he'd say, you know, let's go to the other side. Well, the other side was Greek and Gentile, people that were hostile to even uh, uh, to the Hebrew people and their ways. And so Jesus would, but in Jesus's ways, I mean, he didn't always keep you comfortable. He'd say, let's go over there. So that's the other side. It was also really cool to walk where Jesus uh, walked and, and uh, uh, to be in uh, his footsteps and touch the stuff that that he touched. For example, the walls in Jerusalem uh, right here um, is the part of the temple wall where Jesus walked, or, you know, we know that Jesus uh, was right there, touched those, those places. We know that he stood on that rock um, right there. So, I mean, real stories of being where Jesus um, was looking at and telling these stories, where he touched and where he walked. And again, it was really cool to be on that Sea of Galilee and, and to walk on the same water that Jesus walked on. Um, you know, that didn't work in 820 either. Did you get that? We, there, was a, there was only a couple people who walked on water while we were there. Okay, so uh, here we have, though, uh, this guy standing on this rock. That's not Jesus. Um, that's, that's Nadir Muscovy, and he was our guide on, on our trip to the Holy Land. Really a neat guy. And by the way, he's an Arab Christian. An Arab Christian. I, I can tell you, one of the things that was opened in my eyes, you gain tons of insight when you're there. Tons of insight. New things pop up. I mean, I don't tend to associate Arabs and Christian. I just didn't. I mean, that's kind of the way my worldview was, was framed. And when you get there, I mean, Arab Christians, millions, millions and millions of Arab Christians, Syriac Christians. Well, Nadir Muscovy is a, is a good guy, and a, he's our guide, and so one day we're standing in Jerusalem, not, not far from this spot, and he says, you know, he looks south, and he said, uh, you see that mountain over there? And he's referring to the mountain that you see in the background. He said, you know, that wasn't a mountain. You see the little hill in front of it? That was the mountain. He said, that mountain got leveled and got put on the top of a hill. This guy named Herod, who was the king of, uh, of Palestine at the time, 
He took, that, he took a mountain, leveled it, moved it to where you see that, that mountain. He made a mountain. He made a palace for himself. He made a fortress for himself. Herod, and if you're the king, I mean, what do you name it? You name it after yourself and named it the Herodian. And so it's amazing. You know, I always thought Jesus just kind of made that story up. But if you know some of your scripture, we're going to talk about that. Where Jesus talked about moving mountains. And I just thought that sounded like, you know, just a good example of power or whatever. But the reality is a mountain moved. And so for the second time in my life, I got to, I got to see this. And, and then Nadir went on to say about these mountains moving. He said, he said, do you remember the, the scripture? And Nadir really knew his scripture. He said, Jesus was looking at this, just like you're looking at it, was looking at this when he said, I tell you the truth. If you have even a mustard seed of faith, a mustard seed of faith, I tell you, if, if, if you have that, you tell that mountain to move from here to there, and that mountain will move because everything is possible for you. And he was referring to for you with faith, the faith and belief in God. So again, you know, I was struck by this insight. You know, Jesus, he was telling a story here, but what was he really talking about? And that's what we're going to go into today. He was talking about this Herod guy, a real person, real place, moved mountains. Um, but really, and Herod was known as a great builder. This is just one of his, his amazing works projects. But this, I think, is amongst, chief among them. But what, I mean, really, what is Herod as a builder? What did he build that last? What is Herod's legacy? Um, that's what we're going to talk about today, particularly as we enter into this. When Jesus was looking at this, this wasn't the, ver the first time that Jesus and Herod's stories had crossed. It was 30 years earlier when their stories first crossed and became combined. It was in the year that changed everything in history. It was the year in which our Lord was born, was born. And so, I guess, I guess we call that year zero. Um, I'm not sure. You guys probably know more about that than me. But, you know, that's how our calendar starts from there. A, a big deal. Well, our challenge today is to take um, these stories of Jesus and Herod. What did they mean then? What do they mean for our lives now? And what's the eternal truth that God is telling us through the Scripture that we can apply to our lives today? Because while these are real stories, and they're good stories, and you, you know, you've seen some stuff that is really occurring in the Middle East, how do we apply them in our lives? Well, we're going to begin to do that by first uh, reading Scripture. So I'm going to read from you, or read to you from Matthew uh, chapter 2. And, um, and so here are these words. And I, and I will set it up just a little. Uh, the Magi, the wise men, the scholars... Uh, astro astrologers, um, also referred to as Zoastrians, these wise men had come from Persia and had come to visit Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And so the scripture says, Now when they departed, that's the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you. For Herod is seeking. Herod is seeking, searching for the child to destroy him. And he rose, Joseph, and took the child and his mother, Mary, by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. 
Then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, and I'll talk about that in a minute, when he saw he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all in that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought this child's life are dead. And he rose, Joseph, and took the child and the mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, Herod, so another person in the, in the line of Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, where we saw the Sea of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth, so that, was, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called the Nazarene, that Jesus would be called the Nazarene. The word of God for the people of God. So we see from the outset of, of Jesus' life, Herod's simple intent was just to kill Jesus. He wanted no other rivals. He wanted to stamp out the light, the revelation, the ultimate revelation of God that God sent into the world in human form, Jesus Christ. Stamp it out. But in the 12 verses before, the ones I just read to you, just to, again, provide a little more context, if we know that story, we know that, um, again, the Magi had come to see Jesus, but he first stopped in, they first stopped in Jerusalem and said, where's this king of the Jews? And when he said that, Herod got, mm, piqued his interest and said, I've got a rival. I can't have that. I will have no rivals. And so he told the wise men, he said, you know, go find that Jesus boy. I want to worship him. Well, we know, we know as we've just read in the, in the scripture, we know that, that Herod was lying. He was lying. And he was trying to manipulate the wise men. But God was ahead of him, and God is good and faithful. And, and he, uh, he told the Magi in a dream, he said, don't go back that way. Don't go to Jerusalem. Go a different way. And so that's what we read when they departed, when they saw uh, baby Jesus, and they went a different way. Well, we know from this story that, that Herod... Um, I mean, it's a brutal story that not only is he trying to kill Jesus, that evil, which is what Herod is, uh, if he can't get Jesus, he's going he's gonna to get other people too. He's, he just wipes out kids, um, two years and up, uh, younger, all around the vicinity of, of Bethlehem. Because if evil can't get exactly what it wants, it'll take, it'll take other people too. I mean, that's what evil does. Uh, it's relentless in seeking to stamp out light. And so this is how uh, Herod acts. Um, he's evil embodiment. Um, and his character then, the character of evil that we see in Herod, is one of lies and deceit and really wants to kill, again, stamp out anything that is innocent and represents God in the world um, and wants to do good, whether it's in the Lord Jesus Christ or in other innocent children or people, because that's what evil does. The, um, the interesting part, too, is that he, uh, you know, he won't just stop um, there. I mean, he just becomes, I mean, really insanely angry 
and the scriptures, if, if, you, if you study this, and I had somebody um, tell me about it after 820, I mean, Herod did some other uh, amazingly evil things, and so um, I won't go into those today, but I encourage you to read more about him, primarily just because uh, it's really hard to believe that somebody could act out on that um, in a time. So today, as we come to this uh, time of Christmas, which is generally wrapped up in a, you know, a time of goodness. I mean, we love this story, and we celebrate, and we have all these great stories leading up to this one, um, where, uh, you know, the baby, and we sang about it, we need to be saved, and so God sends an innocent baby into the world, and it's a beautiful story. And then we run into this guy named Herod. And so the question for us is, why does there have to be a Herod? I mean, why does there? And so I, I was looking, I was reading the Pray, Study, Grow, and, and I know that many of you... Uh, uh, read these daily. And so I was reading ahead uh, this week, and so I encourage you to do it too. But on, on January 3rd, the, the writer of our devotion for that day says this is why there has to be a Herod. Herod reminds us that Christmas is not just sentimentality. Jesus came into the real world of violence and struggle. The Magi and Herod provide a useful meditation as we begin 2015. Emmanuel, God with us, has come into the real world in which we live. God is with us, even in the ugliness and hard times. So Herod, why does there have to be a Herod? And why do we have to have years in which Herods live? Well, another memorable year for me was 2003. Now, I was, I was still a fairly new committed uh, Christian, but I was really trying to live out my faith at this time. It was before I became a pastor, and I was serving in, at the, in Mercy, here at uh, St. John's Mercy Health System. Um, and uh, I was serving in leadership, and I was asked uh, to lead another, another area of the health system. And, uh, and I was kind of asked like this, you know, we see that the hey Jim, there's real opportunities for improvement there. Uh, hey, Jim, it'll be a real challenge. Wouldn't you like a challenge? Well, we know those are code words. And uh, yeah, yeah, you, you get that. You're all out there working hard and, and involved in real life. And so those are code words for, hey, this, you know, there is some stuff going on that we'd like you to take a look at and, and we'd like to, you know, to make it better. And so uh, I trusted my boss and it's really important to have a, a boss you can trust. That is a gift from God. And uh, I knew he'd have my back, and so I went for it. I went for it. And so as I got to know the leaders and the people in this area, there was a check in my spirit. And it's always important to, to pay attention to things like a check in your spirit. As I got to, to know people a little bit more, um, man, all around me was people accusing and complaining, accusing each other and complaining. And if you know anything about God and how God works, and then how evil works, um, accusing people and complaining, those aren't from God. And so I was surrounded by that, first of all. And then I sensed that some people were lying to me, that some people just weren't telling me the truth. And so uh, I just kept hanging in there and checking more things out. And then I found some leaders. In fact, there was one leader in particular who I sensed was not on the up and up, if we call it that, um, to be kind. Um, and more so, and this is how evil works, uh, evil causes chaos and mistrust. If you see chaos and mistrust, again, you know, that's, 
That's not from God. And then the final straw really is what evil does. Evil kills our spirits. I mean, Herod killed things physically, but evil also acts out and kills our spirits, or tries to. Evil is trying to, tries to take out, and I saw this, was trying to kill the spirit of coworkers, this one leader, was trying to kill the spirit of coworkers. I was trying to take the joy out of work. I mean, work, work is work, but there can be joy in work. And was really trying to, uh, to bring the place down again, just to be kind. And then, and then though, I, I saw that there, there was this one, one person. I mean, there were more than that, but one in particular that I saw that was seeking excellence and was really wanting more, wanting more, wanting, and wanting to work with joy and was just wanting to improve things. And her name was Robin. And so we have a picture of Robin. And uh, Robin was special. But it was about the same time in, in my life as I'm journeying. So I'm leading, I'm leading there and got this going on. And, and uh, I'm worshiping here. And uh, I'm, I'm sensing a call in my life to, be, to go into the ministry. And, and Pastor Bob is leading me. We all need mentors, champions. Pastor Bob's leading me, encouraging me, and he's, my, he's my, one of my advocates. In other words, an advocate is somebody who's for you and, again, has got your back. And the first thing that I did was take this course, never taken a faith course, a religion course, nothing. And I took this course called uh, Basic Christian Doctrine, and I loved it. I mean, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And when you love something, that's, that's a sign. That's a sign that, you know, you need to check that out more. And so as I did that, the calling in my life was going into, into ministry. And then I learned about this thing, a lot of religious words we throw around, this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, you know, fruit of the Spirit. And so I'm like, okay, what is the fruit of the Spirit and what, what's that all about? And so the fruit of the Spirit is really, if God is in us and we have an active faith and God is really in us, it should produce something. And so what should it produce? Well, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. And so... Uh, there are eight of them in Scripture, and they're joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and there's one more. Does anybody know what the, what the last one is? What's that? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Self-control. I know that one because I struggle with that. So self-control is, uh, is one, and that's the, uh, the last fruit of the Spirit. Um, really important things. And so, and I would tell you, gentleness is also, I like to think of it as quiet strength, because in our culture, gentleness is like, you know, but quiet strength, and people are like, oh yeah, that, you know, that, that sounds more like something that would come from God. Now, Robin, I was talking about, she had these attributes, that, uh, she had the fruit of the Spirit, it was clear, she had these, these attributes were just pouring out of her. She was seeking excellence, she was trying to make others better, but she could also tell the truth in love, which is something that comes from God. When you can speak truth into the other, you love the person, but you got to tell them the truth. I mean, that comes from God. She was also willing to have crucial conversations. That's important. you got to be able to have those crucial conversations. She was always full of hope and always thinking about these possibilities. You know, uh, well, couldn't we do this? And, you know, technology will do that. And it's like, Robin, you know, slow down. You're right, but, you know, but it's a good thing. I mean... God is always creating things new and is creating new possibilities and using technology in new ways. We're not, we're not here to maintain the status quo. God is always working. And this is who uh, Robin was. 
And so at the same time, though, I'm solidifying in my mind. So I know what the fruit of the Spirit is, but really what is evil? I mean, what is evil? And it became clear to me it's bigger than, than, than I used to think more of evil as systemic, big stuff like Hitler or Saddam Hussein or something like ISIS now. I mean, those, you know, clearly those are evil. But it became clear in my mind that evil is lying and deceptive, deceit, self-ambition, dissension, jealousy, envy, dividing people, living in factions. And then the more I, I looked and discerned, I saw, I saw this one person, this one leader attacking Robin. And how do you do that if, if, if evil lives within you? Well, you, you deal in subtle power plays. You gossip. You, you lie. You, you're deceptive. Well, at the same time, I begin practicing the spiritual disciplines we talk about, and there's lots of them, but one I really <laughs> was practicing was praying, and I began to journal. And so I began to journal, you know, see what's really going on, putting that down so I can look back at it. And so I went back and looked at my notes as I prepared for this sermon, and at the time, this is what I was writing about the attacker. She's manipulative. She's undermining. She lacks integrity. She's disobedient to authority, will not submit to any authority, is the king, I was going to say king, is the queen of her own domain. She's got to have it my way. I, uh, and so I felt so strongly about the goodness in this person, uh, Robin, um, that I, I, I said that I felt compelled that I'm going to become an advocate. I'm going to be for Robin and the goodness that she's trying to bring to the workplace, you know, which, which God is everywhere. And so we need to be paying attention. So over time, as I'm the advocate for Robin, I find out that I'm, I'm attacked too because, because evil is jealous. And so I start getting attacked. And so I get, start getting attacked in real ways. Um, of course, I can't prove it because at this point, um, and this person becomes really destructive and angry. But I got attacked, and um, again, through gossip and other stuff, but in real ways like getting a car keyed and uh, getting a vacation interrupted. You know, you come to a point where you really can't believe this stuff is happening to you. But it is. And so uh, I looked at my journal, and I looked back, and I wrote, this person is simply evil. Um, and I believed it. Well, this went on for months and months, and then um, I was trying to figure out, I knew God wasn't causing this, but I knew God could work in this. And so for me, it was really a test of character and faith. And, uh, and what God would produce in this for me was uh, perseverance, uh, which in the King James Version of the Bible is called long-suffering. And I was certainly that, um, and some others around me. I, I developed more perseverance, and I trusted God more through this process. And I, uh, when you're in these times, and some of you may be in them now, um, you find that you really need God. And I was praying a lot and often. And one of the places I prayed a lot, and I would encourage you to go there if you're ever there, um, is, and I'll, we'll show it to you here, this is the uh, chapel at Mercy, and it's on the sixth floor. I don't know if you've ever been there. Cox as well, a healing ministry, has a chapel. I encourage you to go to these places. These are sanctuaries within these healing ministries. Well, this is the one where, where I was serving, and so I would go up here every day. This is where you go in, and you're getting closer to the cross, and then we'll go one more. And I can tell you I prayed often and fervently at the foot of that cross for what could happen for the good of the workplace. And... Uh, I, um, again, I was practicing journaling, and it was during this time that I discerned a call for me to, to protect people that were trying to do good things and do the right things and, uh, in the lives of others. 
And so for me, there came a day and there came a point where we had, me and the attacker had a crucial conversation. And we looked in each other's eyes and spoke truth. And I can tell you, after that conversation, gone. The person left, left the workplace. And, and frankly, I was grateful. I'm for the person, but the person simply departed and left. Now, Robin, on the other hand, she went on to flourish and is now a dynamic leader in the, um, in the workplace, um, doing really good work in the healing ministry, works at the, uh, um, the orthopedic hospital. So the other day we had lunch together and we were reminiscing. You know, it's always more fun to reminisce about the times than they actually were. And we laughed again and, and she has an infectious laugh and she's a great leader, doing great work for our community and our patients. And I just thank God every day for her creative capacity that it's being fulfilled in good ways and that she was not allowed to be attacked in a way that would take away her spirit and would, would uh, cause her to give up. I thank God for that. And so really the, the point of the, of the story that I tell you is that Herod is still alive in every generation. There's always going to be a Herod. And the reality is we have to protect the Jesus Christ that's born in us and is born in other people. As well, that's part of our duty, our vocation, our calling as people who follow Jesus Christ. Because there's still a lot out there that seeks to kill us. I mean, kill our spirits. Whether it's pessimism and negativity, um, experiences. Uh, we have to claim the faith that Jesus Christ plants in us. We can't allow Herod to get to us any more than God allowed Herod to get to Christ. God offers us protection in this world. And most often what I've found, and I think you probably have too if you've journeyed a while, what God uses most often in this world to protect us is each other. The spirit that's planted in us is to be used to protect and encourage and be for each other as we go through this journey. Well, today, Herod's palace, this palace, this mountain that I talked about, it stands in ruins. I mean, it's just all, it's decaying and falling down. This is the one he built for himself. And, it, and the irony or the paradox is it stands just three miles from where Christ was born in Bethlehem. And so as a man in his early 30s, Jesus looked at that mountain and said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, I tell you the truth, if you have this faith, just this little bit of faith, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there, and it will have faith in me. He was really telling his followers that if you think Herod has power, I have so much more. I'm the son of God. And if you think Herod has power, I have power over everything. I have power over death. And I'm going to be resurrected. With faith in me, you can live this life with joy despite circumstances. Not that we won't have times of grief and struggle, but I will sustain you and I will help you get through this. And it was at this time, at this time when Jesus looked at that mountain, and he, he had just, in the scriptures, he had just come across a boy that was possessed with a demon, was possessed with a demon, and Jesus prayed, and he taught his disciples that we need to pray, and then he rebuked this demon, and the demon departed. The demon was gone. Jesus is a saver. He's a healer, and we're called to do that too. But the reality is, and as, we, as the PSG writer wrote, um, the reality is we're locked in spiritual warfare, and Jesus knew that too. 
even in our time. And that faith is the key and, and practicing the spiritual disciplines. Those are the keys to living out this life. That's the reality of spiritual warfare. We have to keep the faith and equally important, we have to exercise this thing we call faith. God is with us and for us. Well, this is the time of the year that, that we typically take stock of the year past, we reflect, and then we look at where we're going into the next year for us, 2015. And as I look into the next year, one of the things that I know is, is I've had to, the opportunity to journey a few seasons now is that I've got to be retooling, and I've got to do something new and fresh to keep my uh, faith fresh. And so what I'm, what I'm going to do is uh, lead a class and experience called Momentum for Life. And you're welcome to uh, sign up for it. Roxanne and I are going to lead it. It's really about how you maintain uh, spiritual, physical, and emotional health. And I've read this before. It's a, it's a book by Mike Slaughter, who's a leading pastor in the country. But, you get, but it requires you to do some things and practice some things. Well, I'm going to lead that. And when, I come, when I'm with a group of other people and I'm practicing and doing, then my faith is increased and I'm renewed. And so if you'd like to join us for that, uh, please sign up for it. You can do that. It, I know, um, well, we haven't had our offering yet, so you can check the box or you can sign up uh, outside the sanctuary. I know that God is not done with me yet, and God is not done with you either. We have more to do as we grow as followers of Jesus Christ. But you've got to answer that question for yourself. Do you believe God has more for you too? And what is it? So four days from now, four days, we're going to enter 2015. Do you see mountains in your life? Do you see them? Can you move them? Do you see Herod's in your life? What are you going to do about it? Are you protecting yourself from becoming a Herod? If you have the faith of just a mustard seed, all things, all things are possible with you. For God is with you and God is at your side. Amen.